When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 66 of our study, Exodus, God's Great Rescue, and we should be finishing this up probably within the next, oh, that was the other thing I was going to do. We should be finishing this up within the next um, day or two. Um, yeah, so uh, not day or two, week or two. I'm sorry, week or two. All right, so um, let us let us um, just get right into it. So here we go. <laughs> I'm kind of a little bit... Uh, flustered today. Let's see here. Yeah. We are in Exodus 34, beginning of verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and spoke to them. And afterwards, all the Israelites came near to him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. So apparently after the Lord talked to Moses, he was radiant. Now, what does that mean? Oftentimes you'll see somebody who's pregnant. You'll say, oh, you look radiant. Uh, And most pregnant women will say, no, I don't feel radiant. I feel pregnant. But there is a radiance I think a glow, an inner glow, a beauty, a joy, a peace uh, when somebody is, um, you know, when they're experiencing incredible uh, joy in their life. And so pregnancy is obviously a joy in your life. Um, I would suppose that meeting God and not being destroyed and, and knowing that God is going to be with you, that he's going to protect you, all these things that God promises to Moses and says, okay, now I understand. Now we will give these laws, these covenant laws to the people, they'll follow them and you will love us and you will you'll be forgiving God, you'll be a loving God, but you'll be a just, a just God. All these things puts a person at peace. And so Moses comes down and he's at peace. He's radiant. He's, he's full of joy. And this is the same type of radiance that God wants all of us to be experiencing. There's something about uh, there is something about living at peace, living at joy, just living a radiant life that you often can see in some people. It's people who are um, they they're, they they're I don't want to say carefree, but let's say carefree uh, in good health and good spirits and all of those things. Like ch- children are this way, right? When a child um, when you take a child to the park. And it's just you and the child and you're swinging them on swing and they don't have a care in the world. They're just just enjoying the swing in the park. Those children are radiant, um, especially if there's no other care in the world. It's just you and the child swinging on the swing. Um, if, if you are safe and secure in the arms of mom and dad, uh, like you're even walking down the street and you've got mom on one side and dad on the other side and they're swinging you and everybody's laughing and giggling and just enjoying life and that that child just feels completely covered. That's a radiant child. That That's where God wants us to live all the time, our whole life. He doesn't want us to be stressed out. He doesn't want us to be whacked out. He doesn't want us to be angry and bitter and all those things. He wants us to live our lives as if we are his child 
and that he's got everything under control and it'll all work out. And, and this is the way that Adam was in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, it says, walked with God in the cool of the day. So I'm not exactly sure what that means. Like if God had a theophany where he turned into a person and walked with Adam and Eve, or if Adam and Eve just knew because God was talking to them or just knew because of the presence of God, they didn't have a care in the world. Um, there was, uh, it's interesting whenever you see somebody become president of the United States that doesn't have gray hair, within about two years of the job, their hair turns completely gray because they are so um, overwhelmed with the responsibilities of the job. Uh, and that stress, if not dealt with, will eventually, you know, uh, if it doesn't kill them, uh, it does, yeah. How do I say this? They, they will definitely have gray hair. Now, if they grow through that uh, and they learn how to be at peace with the job and, and they delegate and they make the decisions that they need to make, make and that sort of thing, the gray hair may not grow as rapidly. And then when they get out of presidency, they may, you know, they've already done the most stressful job in the world. So what possibly could even come close to being after that? So I think that's a lot of the reason why many of these presidents live you know, long lives after being president because the stress is gone. The most stressful job you've ever, that there is in the world is gone. And so it's just a matter of living out the rest of your life. Um, and a lot of them do, uh, you know, have a sense of radiance about them from, you know, not radiance, but just carefree about them, you know, living, living beyond the presidency. Um, and plus, they've got, you know, a place to live and a pension and a home. And, the you know, the most important thing is that they've got that fame, right? They've got that everybody fawns over them as the president, you know, the former president of the United States. And so there's there's that. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, there is something to be said to just living a life safe and secure in the arms of God. And Moses goes up, meets God on the mount and knows that he's going to lead the people that God's going to be there. He's going to He's going to be their God. They're going to be his people. He's now has the laws that tell them how to live their life. So uh, Moses is pretty happy here. Moses is radiant and the people notice it. And so, um, so he gives them the commands of the Lord. All right, we'll continue on. What happens? Uh, let's see. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face but whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw his face was radiant. So Moses, then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. So um, it seems like now Moses, because his face is radiant and it's, it's bothering the people, he puts a veil over his face and then he goes, he speaks to God, he takes the veil off. But then when he, after he's speaking with God, he puts the veil back and he comes and he speaks to the people. And now Moses is like a, a Jedi knight, right? With a big veil over his face or the, you know, the hood over his face. You can't see the face. This is now Moses. I, I, got, I am now, I am now benighted of God. <laughs> and, um. When he came out to, yeah, he, they saw his face was radiance. Then Moses put the veil back over his face and then, yeah, so this veil is to kind of protect his face from being radiant to the people. But they can see that he's radiant. All right, let's continue on. 
Uh, Chapter 35, Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it will be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Oh my goodness. So I guess you have to have the fire going before the Sabbath day. And remember, Sabbath begins on Friday evening until Saturday evening. Um, because the Lord, the, <clears throat> the first part of the week, if you remember from Genesis chapter 1, when he created the earth, he said it was morning, or said it was evening, and then it was morning the first day. So evening is the beginning of the Sabbath. And according to the Israelites, that Sabbath then starts what we would call Sunday evening. So God created the heavens and the earth on day one. That was, that started on Sunday evening. So Sunday evening to Monday evening is day one. Monday evening to Tuesday evening is day two. Goes all the way through to day six. Uh, and then the Sabbath day is, um, is yes, Friday evening to Saturday evening. Is that right? Friday evening, Saturday evening is is the Sabbath. No, okay, so it's not Sunday evening. It's Saturday evening is the beginning of the is the beginning of the day, uh, beginning of the week. So Friday evening to Saturday evening is Sabbath, and then Saturday evening to Sunday evening is day one. So God created the earth on Sunday, and God recreated the earth with Jesus on Sunday. And we remember Jesus as the Lord's Day, as the Sabbath day. We talked about this a little bit in Genesis. We may have even talked about it a little bit uh, on the Ten Commandments. Uh, but this is interesting. Whoever does work on that day is to be put to death. Do not light a fire. It seems like it's a very, very serious thing. Like it doesn't seem like the punishment is fitting the crime. Now, we don't know if anybody ever got punished for doing this on Sabbath. But what it does show is that for God, uh, remembering the Sabbath day is a very, very, very important thing. Um, it is good for our own health and our own psychological well-being to make sure that we spend a day of Sabbath rest. It's so important that God commands it to us. Now, we live in a 24-7 society. It's hard to get a Sabbath day rest, uh, particularly if, you're, if you work on Sunday, <laughs> like I do, uh, it's hard to get that Sabbath day rest. And so um, you have to figure out other days and have a Sabbath day rest. Uh, but the one thing about if it's a community that's following it is that the community um, remembers it so the whole community does it together and kind of holds the whole community accountable for Sabbath day. And, and I may have mentioned that when Jennifer and I lived in England for a while, um, they totally took sat- Sundays off. Like the, the supermarket was closed. Almost everything was closed on a Sunday. And um, it's really, really helpful if everything's closed because nobody expects you to go out and do stuff, right? Nobody expects the supermarket to be open or or the Taco Bell to be open or all those different things. So it's, it's really easy for everybody to take off that day. Um, it's just very beneficial for a community to do that. But if once you, once, you know, parts of the community begin to open up, then everybody wants to open up because they don't want to lose that market share, right? Except Chick-fil-A, which remains closed on Sunday, and they take a big hit on their market share. 
But that's what they do because they feel like a Sabbath day rest is so important. So they instill this into their employees. Um, I really wish we would go back to a day of rest. Um, it would be it would be nice. Of course, it's hard because the way we set up our work week, it's like everybody then would shop on Saturday and Saturday is, would be, you'd have to have twice as many people working on Saturday and it's hard to staff for that. And You know, the more complicated our society gets, the harder it is to follow the Sabbath rules. Um, but uh, behind the Sabbath rule is the idea of resting, making sure that you get a day of rest, that you get a Sabbath day. Uh, so they tell us in seminary, because you're going to be working on Sunday, you need to take another day of the week where that's completely Sabbath. Nobody can t- call you. Nobody can contact you. Your phone is off and you get, you know, you, you get away from everybody. Um, I have not found this to be the case. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's possible. And so I, I do it early in the morning. That's my Sabbath time with God. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll continue on. Verse uh, 4, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and other type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breast piece. Um, All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. All right, so before we just, these now, remember when when Moses went up and saw the Lord on Mount Sinai, the Lord gave a very detailed explanation of everything that was going to go into the temple. The ephod, the brace, the breastplate, the cloak, the the lampstand, the Ark of the Covenant, all these different things. It's all been specified. The plans were developed, right? Uh, it's in Moses' head, and he spoke to the people, and everybody understands what's supposed to be. But but now they're gonna get all the materials necessary, and then they're gonna build all of these things so that they can build the tabernacle. Uh, in in the engineering world that uh, I used to live, well, I guess I still live in it a little bit. Um, you know, you hire an architect. The architect develops the plans, and you have an idea of where it's going to go and how big it is, and all this sort of thing, and how much it's going to cost, and what the materials are, and all that. We already have the architectural plan. Now we're going to follow the architectural plan, and we'll see if the Israelites followed the architectural plan uh, that God commanded. And so now they're assembling the materials. Let me put it that way. They're assembling the materials so that they can do all this work. And don't forget, they can't work on the Sabbath. And God said who it was that had to do all this work. Um, so, so now they're just in the, they're in the fundraising stage, if you will, the capital campaign stage. They're, they're getting the capital, if you will. Uh, we'll continue on verse 11. Uh, Well, I'll go back to 10. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. All who are skilled. So it's not just your, it's not just your, um, your, your offering of gold, spices, yarn, and that sort of thing. But if you are skilled, you're expected to be a part of this also. Verse 11, the tabernacle with its tent and its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it. 
the table with its poles and all of its articles, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand that is for light with its accessories, lamps for the oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway at the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles and its utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtain of the courtyard with its posts and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard. All of these things um, are to be built and constructed. Verse 18, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard, and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. All right, so let's just let's just talk about this. All the stuff was brought. And we didn't really talk about this because it wasn't in there, but the whole idea of ropes and tent pegs. Um, you know, you if you've ever seen a circus tent, it's this big canvas tent, and you know, there's a rim around the top, and then from that top they stretch out ropes and tent pegs that holds that thing up. And gives the structure, um, you know, structure. And, uh, you know, you're in a circus tent. You feel very confident that you're that it's not going to fall on you because it's well designed. The ropes hold the top up, you know, as it goes out to the tent pegs with those ropes. And we think that that technology is a modern day technology, but it's not. It goes back all the way to Moses, probably predates Moses because he was a nomadic guy. This whole idea of building a tent and then having tent pegs and poles uh, and uh, and ropes, tent ropes, all that stuff goes all the way back to antiquity. That's pretty interesting that they had figured that out even back then. Of course, they built the pyramids and how they did that, they're still debating. So they had incredible technology. We think because we are so enlightened here in the 21st century, the technology exists with us but it doesn't. Um, some of these things people did are amazing. Did they figure it out by trial and error? Did God give them a template? Who knows? But but uh, they figured it out. They were pretty smart people back then. They were really smart people because they didn't have computers uh, and they didn't have modern technology and they didn't have uh, backhoes and all the things that we have today. It was just muscle and brain and a few stone age, you know, a few tools that they were able to make shift and build. And from that, they made incredible stuff, beautiful, incredible stuff, stuff that lasted a very, very long time, unlike our stuff that lasts about a year. All right, let's go back to verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses's presence and everyone was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, Ram skins dyed red or other durable leather, leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. 
And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen. Um, yeah, fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx, stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offering for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Um, so and now they've assembled everything. And, you know, we have for us yarn, uh, we can shear the sheep and make yarn with a spindle and a, and a, what do you call that? The knitting wheel, uh, the, you know, the, oh, there's no term for it. You know, sleeping beauty, the, the, the device that turns, you know, it's a, it's spin, it's a spinning wheel. Is that what it's called? The spinning wheel, uh, that creates yarn from, from wool. Um, yeah, I think so. Or something like that, but they probably did it by hand. They probably took the, the, the sheep, you know, wool and took pieces of it and did this and they did, I mean, they probably did a lot of this kind of stuff to create it and then they weaved it together into blankets and all sorts of things. Um, yeah, they, they had incredible technology and then they would take that wool and they would dip it in different colors and they would have different colors and they would make patterns and shapes and make wool, wool clothing and all sorts of things. Um, and they had leather, right? They had all the different things, kind of a lot of the stuff that we have today. They didn't have cotton. Um, cotton is, you know, a plant that we rely a lot on. They didn't have polyester, <laughs> but they had wool. And they had um, leather and they had a lot of beautiful clothes that they would create from that. Um, all right. So um, all this stuff now brings, they bring to Moses the men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Um, yeah. So now we're gonna now we're gonna get into the actual construction, uh, and we'll probably do that um, next time. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, um, what a beautiful blessing to have all this beautiful stuff for your temple. This was their act of service. Lord, be with us in our act of service, which is serving you daily. Uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.